Okay, so here we are, Cine fans. And in front of me right now at this moment is a singular chip, a Packy One Chip Challenge chip. So if anybody doesn't know what this is, it's apparently a stupid hot tortilla chip, you know, made with Carolina Reapers and such. So the whole thing with this is you eat this chip and supposedly you just die. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to eat this chip and then we're going to go about this podcast in our normal fashion. So here I am. I'm already prepared. I've, I'm opening the chip package, which this chip packaging leaves some to be desired. Not going to lie. It's a very weird wrapper to get off. Okay. Now, now Amy's secretly recording me. Yeah, she oh, is. Amy's secretly recording me like an asshole. I'm going to break this chip a little bit to make it easier oh. to fit in my mouth. Are you guys oh, ready? Oh my gosh. Yes. All right, here we go. And I and understand set of fans. Ooh. Sterling's doing this on a dare. Ooh. I dared him to do this. I almost put it in my mouth. And then you were like, oh, let me give some backstory. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> and I just got a whiff of it when I did that. This is going to suck balls. Yes, I know. And he's doing this on just a dare. I dared him to do this. Sterling is a spicy fan. He likes spicy stuff. I don't know if he's uh, ever encountered anything such as this. So I dared him to do it. And he said, you know what? I'll not only do it. I'll do it during the podcast. So, yeah, that is Sterling, ladies and gentlemen. And this is the challenge. Yeah. Why am I the only one that gets in physical pain for this podcast? Like I've done a tattoo. I've got to like get another session on this tattoo. I'm doing this bullshit. I'm the only one sacrificing my physical body for this. You guys need to catch up. All right. So here we go in uh, three, two, one. does taste like shit <laughs> so far it's not bad i can feel it coming like i'm gonna regret this shit oh god and i want to stop chewing all right swallowed Woo! all right justin sing me a song about doing something so stupid you instantly regret it and you want to die <laughs> oh my god uh <laughs> Justin, this is not the time to not come up with a song. <laughs> I'm just giving you some time. Uh, how about I'm sorry, so sorry. I'm sorry, so sorry. There you go. Oh, that sucked balls. Heather, your turn to go. <laughs> Oops, I did it again. I actually like that one. I am fucking dying right now. Uh, let's play the fucking song. Oh, this sucks so bad. Oh, my God. And he has high tolerance, too. Yeah. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers <laughs> podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today we are doing one of Justin's essential movies with Terminator 2. We will talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with that movie. Holy fuck, I'm dying. (sighs) 
we will do a spoiler-free section at the beginning. Give our recommendations and scores, and then go into spoilers. There will be a time code in the description about that. Whoa, I am dying like a motherfucker. All right, so <laughs> start us off. Justin, you go. Sure. Every now and then I might ask for a heat check, and you can just kind of give me a number and <laughs> maybe an expletive to explain where you are right now. Okay. Um, so Terminator 2. I mean, my God, man. And, and going back and watching this just really made me appreciate it even more. Uh, just a little background. It's the sequel to the first Terminator, which uh, these two movies, they're really fun to watch back to back because the first Terminator movie is almost like this slasher-esque type of sci-fi movie where you have Arnold Schwarzenegger assuming the role of the Terminator and he's after uh, Linda Hamilton or Sarah Connor in this movie trying to kill her before she has the son that leads the human revolution against the machines in the future. So it really is this this kind of horror-like slasher movie where you've got this Terminator after her and he's this unstoppable force and you've got one human soldier that's also come through time that understands the whole scenario and is trying to protect Sarah and it's this really just great chase movie with him killing multiple people trying to get to Sarah and it really has this horror slasher feel with some sci-fi elements thrown in so I had to explain all that because Terminator 2 which is the movie I picked is just such a radical change from that movie they completely abandoned sort of the horror elements in the first Terminator and said we're going just full on action and it's one of the few sequels that I've seen where they actually took the bad guy which was the Arnold Terminator in the first movie and they actually make him one of the protagonists in this movie which you know especially back then and given just the continuity of movies this feels like it was a big risk like this could have really blown up in their faces especially when you establish this Terminator as the bad guy but everything that this movie goes about doing in this film and how they make the Arnold Terminator, the protagonist, how they introduce this T-1000, which is this more advanced Terminator, the and then the action that ensues in this. The chase scenes and the action scenes are just all phenomenal in this movie. And then you've got some acting performances that are great, like Edward Furlong as a young John Connor. His scenes with Arnold and this robot and trying to kind of teach this robot some humanity, they're just excellent scenes they're they're just great and they make you just feel more for this terminator machine as well as uh john connor as a character so all of that comes across in the scenes with those two in this movie and then linda hamilton also gives a great performance as well which i would argue she is the best actor or actress in this film she really brings it in this movie and it's a complete turnaround her going from this damsel in distress sort of in the first Terminator to becoming this hardened woman who understands what her role is and what the role of her son is and just 
all of and, and she's just such a badass matriarch in this movie. Probably just one of the most badass. I'm gonna protect my son, moms. I think in a movie, and she's got a she gets a lot to work with here. She narrates sometimes, and all of the dialogue there is good. Um, and, and when she needs to be emotional, she is, and all of this just comes across so well. The movie. Even though it's over two hours long, it flows so incredibly well. There's never a dull moment in this movie or a movie that I feel like, oh, uh, why is this even in here? Every every part just feels important. Every part is just so intricately crafted. It just makes for just a wonderful roller coaster ride. So, yeah, that's why I had to pick this. I can't wait till we get to the spoilers so I can talk about more things in detail. But, yeah. This is still unquestionably a classic, excellent action sequences, great special effects. Even though they're dated today, I'm still impressed by them. I think they still look good. I think they still work for what this movie is, even though this movie came out years ago. So, yeah, uh, I was very happy to revisit this classic, and I hope that you guys were as well. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I definitely agree. It's still an entertaining movie. Uh, this was a staple movie in my house growing up with my brother and me. We watched this all the time. We had it on VHS. Like we, we just always watched this movie. And I remember it so very specifically too. Like just going back and rewatching it years later. And it was just like I had been watching it every year or something. Like I just remembered so many things that stuck out. And you're also right about Linda Hamilton, Jason. She is fantastic. And for me, definitely the standout in this. I mean, she was clever. You know, she was very resourceful. She was quick yeah. on her feet. She was a good, you know, protector. You know, she did what had to be done and just an all around badass. And I think we talked about that before in the newest Terminator movie, how she's just kind of the original like female lead badass character. And this kind of just re proves that point when you watch this movie again, it's just really, really good. Um, yeah, she, she definitely kind of steals the show here a little bit, but, um, I mean, I, I think that Edward Furlong did a good job as well. And, um, just kind of his interactions with the Terminator and just their, their dynamic together and the Terminator kind of, you know, being by his side throughout this movie. It's just a really good uh, connection and a good chemistry between all of them, actually. And yeah, I mean, and just this movie, too, is one of the first movies I remember with a very standout villain. And the villain in this, and I know we'll get into it more, was super great. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot of really good action. This just holds up still as something that you are entertained by in the action sequences. It's not new. It's not all the, the crazy, you know, choreographed everything that you see these days, but it's still very, very good and um, elaborate (laughs) um, a lot of chasing scenes and stuff like that, but they're very good and they make sense in the movie. So yeah, this is a all around. It is a really good movie. I mean, it definitely took me back a little bit to my childhood because this is just something I watched so much. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, even rewatching it, even the things I didn't remember, I was like, Oh yeah, they did do that. That's great. So yeah, it's all around. It's just a really 
solid action movie that is still something that would be entertaining for people today. Well, hello there, people. Heat check. Yeah. What's the heat check, Sterling? Oh, I'm fucking dead, dude. Like what I ended up doing is putting beer in my mouth and just swirling it around because it was colder than my mouth. Oh, my gosh. God. No, I would not be talking right now if I hadn't done that. I literally I was to the point of like not being able to do a damn thing. Wow. Damn. So it's the real deal then. So the pocket chip is the real deal then. Oh, it's more than that. Holy fuck. I was not prepared for that. And you even tried to be prepared for that and you just. Oh, I was like, no. Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) No, like that was the thing is like I had. Oh, I just had to put the beer in my mouth to just be cooler than like my mouth at the time. Mm, Man. mm. But we're glad you're alive. Oh, fuck. It's it's special. Let me tell you that. I know people were saying they could feel it like it it just travels all the way up your face and people were saying their stomach started to hurt and they said that the burn is just constant like it just grows it just climbs like steps and it just is constant brave is the word that Justin used I mean and guys listening when we tell you this like sterling is no stranger to hot or spicy things like that's kind of that's his thing so (laughs) that's how crazy this chip is if he is even saying this i mean oh um yeah terminator 2 is good and shit uh (laughs) i mean yeah it's good and shit (laughs) oh like talking is making it worse (sighs) you want to just give yes or no answers (laughs) No, I got this. Um, like- it's good. Um, I saw this in theaters as a kid. It, it definitely holds up. Um, like Jason was saying, some of the special effects are dated, but I think that some of the special effects are also better than some of the effects we do have now. I do think the, mm. uh, whew, and I mean that with the liquid metal effect, I think yeah. at times that still works better in this movie than it does with current movies now. Yeah, I can actually see that, too. That No, that is very yeah. true. Like, all those scenes were very much, like, it, it looked good. It looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. But, Justin, I think it's a little um, unreasonable to say Linda Hamilton was the best actor in this movie because she was going up against early 90s Arnold and a child and a guy whose whole job <laughs> was to not say much. So... <laughs> I don't think that that really counts. Like, I don't think it's a big revelation. It's like an of course statement. Uh, okay. Um, I, 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 I do like a lot of this, but uh, the action sequences in this movie, I do like, especially that chase uh, down the drainage ditch. Uh, it's yeah. Really, I mean, the funny thing is, is I always just think it's funny that no matter what vehicle the T-1000 is driving, it can catch up to them. No matter what it is. <laughs> yep. Right. He can just catch up to anything. Um, and I've got, I mean, one of the main things I want to talk about, uh, I'm going to say for spoilers. Um, so uh, with that, uh, Heather, please give us your uh, recommendation and score. 
Um, yeah, I do definitely recommend this. This is my favorite of the Terminator movies. But again, like I said, it was kind of a staple movie for me growing up anyway, in as long as far as action movies go. Um, I'm sure that's probably the same for most people my age. But yeah, so I definitely recommend it. I think it is. Again, it does still hold up. It's it's not something that you're just like, you know, oh, this is super 90s and like not relatable or enjoyable, at least. Um, it, it definitely is still a very solid movie. Um, yeah, so I do. I definitely recommend it. I don't even I mean, sure. Watching the first one is helpful in knowing how completely different these two, you know, movies are and the characters and how they are is in this, like Jason was saying. But I honestly think that Terminator 2 on its own is just a good movie. Like, even if you don't watch the other ones, this is the one that you probably should watch. Like, it's I think it's the best one of all of them. Uh, my score for this is going to be 80 liquid metal... Uh, turning into ice and breaking off the arms of a T-1000 out of 100. Okay. Probably sure Jastin's turn. If, yeah. if Sterling could talk, All right, All right Jastin, go. go. It's your turn. <laughs> I was going to do it for you, man. I'm recovering. You're good. I got you. Uh, man, uh, of course I recommend this. Watch it again and then watch it three more times after that. And then after that, you can guess what? You can... I recommend you watch it again. Like, that's just how much I love this movie. This is my favorite action movie of all time. And, you know, sometimes you you have a favorite movie on your list. Then you go back and watch it and go, man, you know, what was I thinking? Or why is this on my list? Nah, man, not with this one. I, I, I think I was right. I was correct years ago when I first saw it as a child. And I am correct now, you know, in 2020, that this <laughs> is just a favorite uh, of mine. And I mean, th- there's just nothing wrong with this. Sure. If you pick it apart, we can, you can find some things and there are some funny things here and there, or maybe some uncharacteristic things if you really want to pick it apart. But for the most part, for an action sci-fi film, this does everything right. The action is, is just exactly what it needs to be. But the continuity of this, just things that they show you earlier and they come back into play and different things like that. It's so good. Some of the seamless scene transitions they do, they they introduce an idea, then immediately visually showcase that idea and give you an idea of what that is. It's great. And just like Heather said, it's so good at expositing, but not getting in its own way of the exposition and everything like that, that you don't need to see the first Terminator to really understand what this is and where it's going and where it's come from all they do such a good job with that that even if you haven't seen that you understand what this is and i think that that's sometimes the mark of a great sequel uh yeah this is one of the greatest part twos 
ever. And it's often mentioned along the in the same sentence as Aliens and The Godfather Part Two is just one of the greatest sequels ever in a movie. And I agree with that sentiment. And that's why you should watch this. And if you haven't seen this in a while, revisit this. I you will not be sorry. I guarantee that. So with that being said, I'm going to give this this is an A for sure and it's a high A. It's almost damn near perfect. But I don't like giving perfect scores. So I'm going to take two points off for something. Hopefully I'll discover when we do spoilers, but it's going to get a 98. Arnold Schwarzenegger riding on a bike, flipping a shotgun to reload it, which is still one of the most badass, coolest things I've ever seen in a damn movie out of a hundred. All right. For me, who I am slightly dying still, and I'm I'm not going to take it out on this movie. But you got this, Sterling. You got this. Okay. I do think it's a great movie. I think for the most part, it holds up very well. I think it fixes some of the dated problems that the first Terminator has. Uh, Spoilers for the first Terminator, when it finally gets to the point to where you see Arnold's robotic skull sticking out of his face, it looks like garbage. Yeah, it does now. Oh, even then it looked like garbage, but you, uh, what were they going to do? Um, with this, the effect is a lot better. It's not the best, but it's a lot better, but it shows where it's going. Uh, I mean the effects when they do that now, most of the time it's all computer generated. They just kind of throw some green on there to superimpose it. Bam done. Uh, I do think that there are times this movie does get a little bit out of hand. Uh, I know Justin likes the little monologue soliloquies that Sarah Connor does. I'm not a fan of those. So it's, it's a bag of hits and misses. Fortunately, this movie has just way more hits than it does misses. And honestly, it's the last really good Terminator movie we got. I mean, they have come out with... What True. four movies since this? With Rise of the yeah. Machine, Salvation, Genesis, and Dark Fate. Mm-hmm. There is a reason why everybody still talks about this one instead. Because out of six Terminator movies in a TV show, we got two good movies and I I say an underrated TV show. And unfortunately, out of those six good movies, they were the first two. And they just kind of keep going and they kind of keep redoing Terminator three with the exception of salvation. That was supposed to be like a different thing. But I mean, there's just a reason why we always go back to this one. And there's a reason why everybody talks about this one. Like Justin was saying earlier, (sighs) one second, I got this talking really does make it worse. (sighs) Okay. Oh no. As Justin was saying earlier with the way they set up the first movie, It's a lot of tension, a lot of mystery, a lot of chasing. It's, it's a lot more akin to a horror slasher film than anything else. Instead of it being a kid that drowned in a lake, this is just a robot from the future. Other than that, it might as well be Jason or a Friday the 13th movie, whatever. Forgive Mm -hmm. me. I'm in pain, but this one is a straight up action sci-fi flick. Just, I don't want to say beginning to end because one thing I have to say in the spoilers, 
it's not necessarily beginning to end, but most like a little bit after the beginning to the end. That's exactly what it is. Nonstop, just action sci-fi. And I think honestly, it's kind of the benchmark for most action sci-fi. I mean, there are very few things more iconic than Arnold standing on the edge of a building with a minigun. <laughs> like, and I totally, it never made this connection, but, oh, but that scene in Venom where they're like breaking out of the lab or wherever and all those guards try to take him, I, it just clicked watching it. That's a ripoff of the way they get out of Cyberdyne. Huh. Yeah. Because it's got all the smoke and shit, you know what I mean? Like it's, and it's just him just one hit, you know, deboing all these fucking guys. It's the same shit. It's it's a ripoff of that. And and not as good version. I mean, this is a way more simplistic scene, but it's great. I mean, the only other time that I think you truly have an iconic version of this type of scene is the Matrix whenever they're breaking in to uh, rescue Morpheus and they're going through the metal detectors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was great. That's yeah. the only other type of scene like this I think that holds up um, or that could rival its iconicness. Um, and that's mainly just because we haven't seen a John Wick version of this yet. Not quite. We've seen kind of versions of it, but I mean, I guess at the end of the second one, whenever him and Karen were uh, shooting all the guys breaking into the continental, maybe kind of, but I still think that this is a little different and uh, oh, got a headache now too. Like, I feel like the front of my forehead is going to explode off my face. So it's not residing at all. The heat it's just getting worse. It's still growing. No, no, it's not the heat that's getting worse. It's just the amount. Of, it's like the effects of the heat. Like, hmm. like I'm just, I am in like, it, it doesn't quite burn anymore. But like I said, it partially was me putting cold beer in my mouth um, to just kind of do something. But, but it is a, it just kind of hurts a lot. Damn. Like my lower jaw, like around like my the gum where my gums and jaw connect. Uh, it's kind of numb. No. Why would people do this if they didn't have to? Like, <sighs> thanks for your bravery, but I'm just saying, like, it sounds See, terrible. The, the thing I don't like about this is the fact that it tastes like shit. All the spicy foods, good. all the spicy foods I eat have amazing flavor to them. The heat is just a a byproduct of it. Like, I mean, I can't necessarily speak for most people, but the reason why I eat spicy foods is the flavor that is with that spice. You know, that flavor of the chilies, that flavor of the, the, the peppers. You know, there's, there's a flavor component behind it that I love. You know, or even if you just go down to a traditional buffalo wing, it's got a kick to it, but it's got that it's got that spicy flavor to it too. This tastes like you're gargling the devil's nutsack after he got done working, like doing CrossFit or some shit. <laughs> so basically, I see what you're saying. So there really is no. It's not like it was made to try to be tasty or to try to like the spice doesn't enrich the taste or anything. This is just a torture device, basically. Yeah. This is to just cause you physical pain. I mean, and I understand that's yeah. the point of it, whatever, but like, 
I'm just saying, like, this is what is not fun about spicy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I like the spicy flavor. I don't necessarily, like, this heat, if there was some flavor behind it, I'd be way more forgiving of it. Like, you know, or be way more understanding of it. I mean, this literally is just, like, kicking your mouth soul in, in, in the nuts. Oh, what the fuck was I even saying about Terminator 2? Oh, yes. Iconic scenes with it. Um, yes. You know, that's just, it's a very, you know, iconic scene. And I mean, to be fair, a lot of what people think they remember about the Terminator as a character, they remember from this. Very few people are remembering yeah. Terminator 1. Yeah. You know, they are remembering this movie. You know, the Austin Vista uh, baby. The uh, I'll be back, you know, minigun at the top of the thing, you know, the motorcycle with the shotgun, um, just all that stuff. Like, though, those are the scenes you remember, and they come from this movie. Uh, so I definitely recommend it. I think if this movie had come out the way it was originally intended to, and I will expand upon that in the spoilers. I think it would be like straight up a hundred, but because it didn't and because it's kind of just known what it is, I'm going to give this movie a 95, uh, 95. I regret a lot of my life decisions at this moment out of a hundred. <laughs> uh, actually, no, uh, hold on. It was, it was going to be 95, uh, Lieutenant Anita Van Buren's playing Dyson's wife. Out of a hundred. If you're a Law and Order fan, you know what I just said. That's all I'm saying. Oh yep, my head! Definitely hurt. <coughs> oh no! I did not mean to cough into the mic. I'm sorry, people. I am slightly dying. Um. So yeah, we're gonna go to the spoilers now, guys. Yes. All right, Justin, go you dickhead. I, like, <laughs> now I'm gonna be. Now my anger is gonna go towards you because you challenged me. And when the fuck do I turn down <laughs> challenges like that? Holy fuck. You don't, and, and this is, oh man, man, I just tried to imagine what kind of pain you're in right now, but, uh, like I, but yeah, I'm so. just in pain at this point. I'm not really dying of heat, anything like that. I am just in physical pain. Like I, I can't open my eyes and it's not cause they're watering or anything like that or sensitive. No, I cannot open my eyes really right now because literally the front of my head hurts so bad. Oh man. So man. Justin go okay so man where to even begin with this movie um i i guess just to talk about a few things and then i'll let somebody else have the floor i'll try to be brief but i may not i don't know i, I could talk about this all day but um i guess really just i mean just from from the the opening moments of the movie where Sarah Cott is talking about, um, you know, there's a second Terminator and they, they sent one after me at first and now they're sending one after my son and they sent a protector from John. And then it's like, but the now the only question is who's going to get to John first and then boom. And then we have the the music playing over fire and it says 
is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I mean, what an excellent start. Just immediately sets up that there's going to be this chase scenario and there's this race, so to speak, to get to John Connor. And it was just so effective in doing that. And then there are just so many like brilliant callbacks to the first movie because in the first movie, we get to see um, the Arnold Terminator kind of teleport uh, naked to earth from the uh, from the teleporter machine from Skynet I guess w- w- or what have you and he has to get clothes and stuff like that and kind of assume a you know look as much like a human as he can to blend in while he hunts for Sarah Connor well in this movie y- you get a similar thing but they just kind of just up the ante on the style and they just do everything tenfold any scene that was done in the first movie they just sort of do it tenfold in this movie which is what I really appreciate about it so you get the callback moment but you also get a scene that's just cool and memorable in its own way so it doesn't just feel like oh we're just copying things from the first movie it really just adds its own voice and its own sense of style because that first uh, uh, that first scene where Arnold walks into the bar and he's you know profiling people and trying to see who matches up with his clothes that that was very cool and him just walking into the bar and you know Arnold just I mean and this is like uh, the peak Arnold this is Mr. Olympia Arnold walking into this place so I mean the guy just looks fantastic just looks perfect and he's walking into this bar and he engages these people and there's this big bar fight and it's just excellent stuff man the way that the Terminator manhandles people there's just nothing like it it's just great and then uh, the choreography if you want to call it that the, it, they just do a lot of interesting things like like when when he throws one of the guys into the hot stove and the guy's like falls into this stove, uh, the stove, the stove top and he's being burned and he's like, ah, and he's just yelling. There's just something entertaining about that. Or he puts a guy tries to stab on it with a knife and he puts the knife in the guy's back and the guy can't reach the knife that's in his back. And he starts yelling, pull it out, pull it out. He starts yelling for somebody to pull it out. And I mean, that may seem like a little thing, but it, also just seems like a realistic reaction that somebody might have. You know, if a knife is in their back, you might yell for something. You can't reach it. You might yell for one of your buddies to help you out. So just little things like that are just like the icing on top that adds to these scenes. And then at the end, after he's got his leather jacket and clothes that he was supposed to get, he takes a shotgun from the guy outside of the entrance of the bar. Bad to the bone is playing in the background as Arnold reaches and grabs the guy's shades and gets on a bike and he hops on this bike and it's just a scene of him riding away and the bad to the bone soundtrack music and it's just the perfect I mean it was just it's just such a memorable scene and it's just and they just I mean it's just like if you just had a checklist and as you're going through these scenes every time you're just checking it going they just nailed it you know they they nailed it with that scene with Arnold and then in contrast we have the T-1000 and I and I just love that contrast how he is in this cop uniform and he's a smaller guy than Arnold but 
I mean, but 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 it's but he still comes across as just so intimidating. And it's, and there's just some irony there that the person dressed up as the cop is the bad guy in this scenario. And then the person who's in the 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 leather boots and on the motorcycle, the biker guy is the good guy. So even that contrasting visual has a sense of irony to it. And it's just little things like that, that I just love about this movie. Um, the John Connor character, um, just talking about all of the great like scene transitions that they do in this. Like first they establish the John Connor character and you know, he's having an argument with one of the parents and he goes, you're, you're not my, that's not my mother, Tom or whatever, as he's being a smart aleck kid and riding off with one of his friends. Well then immediately after he says that line, she's not my mom. It transitions to a scene and we get to see Sarah Connor and we get to see where she is and what's happening to her and stuff like that. And then when we're in the, the, the psychiatric ward or whatever with Sarah Connor, she's talking to uh, one of the doctors and that's asking her questions. And then, and she's like, you know, um, you, you know, if I don't believe that I, she's trying to convince them that she's not crazy anymore or whatever, right? Trying to, uh, get a, get an early release so that so she can have contact with her son. And she says the line there where she's like, well, I, you know, I guess what I, those interactions I had with the Terminator, I guess the Terminator isn't real because if it was real, there would have been some evidence, right? And then the guy goes and the psych, the psychiatrist goes, so you no longer believe that this is a government cover-up. And she says, well, if there was, there would have been some evidence, right? Then we immediately cut to, to, to Dyson and we see that he's got these Terminator parts in this lab and everything like that. And I said all that to say that those were just to me, excellent transitions like if you they made sure you had no trouble following this you know you hear something from a character and immediately visually they reinforce something that that character said but it helps to drive the story alone and they along and they do this a lot in this movie and it's just so great these seamless transitions that really help uh push this narrative um and and then just some of the acting that was done in this movie by the characters like i love there are a lot of scenes here with linda hamilton that i love but man her reaction towards the middle of this film uh in the second act when she when the elevator door opens up and she sees the arnold terminator um, and this is the first time she's seen the Terminator since the traumatic Terminator one and her reaction where she just falls to the ground and she's like, yeah. no. And all of that from the first Terminator just comes back and you can see the look of just horror on her face. And she's trying to get away because she thinks the Terminator is back to kill her. I loved her reaction in that. Like she was just excellent it was the perfect reaction that we needed in that time and then even after 
things are kind of settling and John Connor is right there in, in front of her going, mom, it's okay. You know, he's okay. And she's fixated on this Terminator and John is trying to get her attention and she can't stop looking at the Terminator because it tried to kill her. Like all of that continuity that they put in this just makes those scenes just extra special. So I just loved her in those scenes. Another great scene from her was when she kind of infiltrates the Dyson home and she's about to kill Dyson and you know she's got the gun on him and she's about to do it and the son kind of she shoots Dyson once and then the son kind of gets in the way no don't hurt my dad and then uh, Dyson moves the son out of the way and she's right there with the gun and she's thinking about doing this and then you know but the goodness in her she is a good person you know that part starts to win over and she's thinking about you know I have a son too and she's that regret and that um doubting is this the right decision and she's just kind of settling in and she settles down and she just breaks down not knowing what to do you know her actual feelings as a person her humanity breaks in with that kind of hardness to kind of complete this mission and protect her son and kind of preserve the future all of that comes to the head and it's all in her face it's all in her facial reactions. It's all in her breakdown at that moment. And I mean, Linda Hamilton was just doing some wonderful acting here on top of all of the scenes where she's being a badass. And it really just to me, it, it just watching it again just helps you understand why this performance is so iconic. Why she is just one of the first people that comes to mind when people say a strong female character. She defines that in this movie. I mean, just I, I, and it seems like this that really just make you understand even more why this is held in such high regard. And, and and for the longest time, we didn't see Linda Hamilton again in the Terminator series. You know, this was kind of her one movie that really just made her an icon. And you understand how this one movie carried her to this status. Most actors and actresses, sometimes they need multiple movies to get to that status. But this was kind of the, she did this one movie Movie and it just catapults her to the iconic status. And when you watch this again, you just understand why from uh, scenes like that. And then just the last thing I'll say before I kind of give it up to other people um, for let you guys talk for a bit, because I, I just have plenty more, but I'm going to try to control myself here. But just even the acting that um, that Schwarzenegger and Patrick were doing where they're just these emotionless machines and it, they just did it so well. I mean, even though you're like, well, how much acting did it take to have a straight face and everything like that? But I just want to commend them, man, because when they're doing these fight scenes, they they are just expressionless when they're throwing each other through walls or grinding each other through gears, arms through gears and tearing each other apart. They're just so like emotionless in those scenes or when Patrick is running and he's uh 
running after John Connor on the bike or whatever, and he's running so hard, but there is no expression on his face. And I just love those scenes, just the continuity continuity they have of playing these machines and not showing those expressions. And no matter what's happening, they stick to that, except later when like, um, the T-1000 gets blown away and all of a sudden there are beast sounds. I don't know if I like that. You know, looking at it again, I'm like, why is he making <laughs> beast noises? It, it didn't really match. I wish they kind of didn't do that. You know, now that I look at it, it's like, eh, that's kind of uncharacteristic. As a matter of fact, at the end, there are several moments that I thought were uncharacteristic of the T-1000. Like, Throughout the whole movie, he's this relentless killer. Then at the end, he just starts doing weird things. Like when he uh, uh, needle hands Sarah Connor and he's like, call to John. And it's like, well, you could just mimic her voice and do You don't need her to do that. You know, it was kind of like, we need Sarah alive. And I get it. You know, you need Sarah alive. And Sarah had a badass moment where she's like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. But that was very uncharacteristic of him. He would have just killed her right there. He didn't need her to copy the voice. He didn't really need her alive in that moment. The The script needed her alive, not him. So that was yeah. just kind of one of those things. You know, I felt that was uncharacteristic of him because he was relentless. The uh, um, entire movie but those inconsistencies aside uh, I still really loved every scene with him uh, last thing I'll say about the T-1002 is the way that they introduce his bladed weapons I just have to say that's how you introduce a weapon or something that's special that your villain can do too often in these movies um, lately, they just blow their load so much with their villains or what the characters can do in the opening scenes or in the opening fight or whatever the case may be. We, I, I, it makes me think about Dark Fate where we got to see all that Terminator's abilities in the first fight. So there was no surprises. There was nothing really else to add to that Terminator. But I loved how in this, You have that first fight scene and then you have the first chase, uh, which was phenomenal, by the way. And they don't show you that he can do these bladed weapons or anything like that. Then in the phone call conversation where John thinks he's talking to his mom, something happens to the husband and we don't know quite what he did. We just hear a noise, a knock, like something hits the cupboard and we don't know what that is. And when the camera pans out and it shows the T-1000 as John's foster mother and he's got that blade sticking through the, the, the milk carton, through foster pops mouth and he's just completely dead and he's kind of his body's kind of like quivering from death and then he just brings the blade out and the the limp body just falls to the ground i mean what an an incredible way to introduce something that that Terminator could do rather than giving it to us in a throwaway fight scene. They chose to do it there so that you really are just like surprised and shocked by that. And what a masterful way to do that. And, And that's the thing about this movie. It just hardly makes any mistakes with things like that. Um, uh, 
And so, yeah, I just thought that I had to mention that there, like, it just doesn't waste anything. And there's so many just like, for this to be an action movie and have so much continuity, and I promise this is the last thing I'll say, it, there's continuity all over this film. Like, like you see John Connor and his friend, they're taking those, uh, the, 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 the sewage drains or whatever, they're taking that route to go to the mall. Then it's no surprise that when John is being chased by the Terminator, what does he do? He takes that route there because it's comfortable. So it doesn't feel like we're here because the, the, the script wants us here. We're here because that was the comfortable route John Connor was taken. So that's why he went down into that drainage so that's why we get that scene there the chase on the rig where uh, Arnold uh, saves John just in time during that chase but we're there because the character went there earlier we're not there because the script wanted us to be there and there are so many like great things that happen like that throughout this movie like at the at the at the end during the finale with the Terminator like with the T-1000 and, and the Arnold Terminator. I love what they do with that gun pellet also, because like it starts off like there's a sto- there's a whole story with that gun that he uses to finally end the T-1000 like, and I, and I just going back here, I didn't notice it then, uh, during my first few watch throughs, but going back and watching this, it was masterful how they did even just that. Like it starts off during that final chase scene where Arnold tries to shoot him with that gun. And then the T-1000 runs into him with the nitroglycerin truck or whatever. And Arnold drops that gun. So he can't use it there. Then later on, when they're at the facility, he picks up that gun. He loads that final bullet and they're, and they're running away because the T-1000 is coming, is forming himself back after the big explosion or whatever. Then later on, Arnold tries to use it on him. He knocks it away. So we can't use it then. Then later on, Arnold is on the ground trying to reach for this same gun, but the T-1000 temporarily deactivates him in that moment. And we think Arnold is dead and he's trying to reach for that gun. He wasn't able to get it. Then later on, he gets that second wind or whatever, that second uh, source of power comes on. He finally gets this gun and it is that gun, which 15 minutes ago, he was trying to use it on this guy. And I just loved how in the end, it was that same gun that blast the T-1000 one last time off of that lava pit. And it's just these things, these things that this movie does so well that so many action movies fail to do now. And it's just masterful storytelling and I feel like today's filmmakers need to go back and watch this and take notes because there are so many great scenes like that um, that just have that kind of continuity throughout. Heather, what about you? Yeah, that was um, that was some good insight, Justin. And um, looks like you did find your two points off and your reason for them. (laughs) You were talking about it. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um. No, I mean, there's there's not like a whole lot of new things I would add. It's just, um, I mean, one thing that I kind of briefly um, touched on in my non-spoilers was just the the villain of this, which is, you know, the T-1000, obviously. Um, and I just, 
I just remember how terrifying I thought that Robert Patrick was. I mean, he didn't have to say anything, really. It was just his determination to, you know, complete his mission and his just relentlessness because he had no emotion, you know? So I just remember thinking how incredibly terrifying he was when I was a kid. And yeah, in that scene with, you know, when he is pretending to be the foster mom and then, you know, kills the dad, that definitely stuck out. I remember that. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's just things like that, that kind of you remember (laughs) when you're younger about, that's just how, those are the types of things that, um, you know, like that's what makes a villain great is, you know, the reveal of this is their weapon or this is the thing that makes them stand out or whatever it is that it, that was a great reveal. And those are the things that make you terrified of certain villains because (laughs) they, you know, that, I don't know, he just was very different than any other villain I had really ever seen at that point. Granted I was younger, but still, you know, um, and he just did a very good job, um, you know, being that non-emotional, relentless, ruthless, I don't care. I'm just doing my job type of thing. And I appreciated that. And I just think that that, I mean, if I'm thinking back on villains that stand out to me the most in a lot of movies, he's definitely up there as one of the ones that I always remember. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of speak to that a little bit, just because I I really liked the way that they, they did this and, um, or how they did the villain versus the Terminator and just their, you know, face off that they have and all of those things. It was very good. And I also remember that (laughs) the dream that Sarah Connor has where just, you know, she just burns up and all of that, (laughs) probably much like Sterling was feeling earlier. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Basically that was happening in his mouth. (laughs) It's it's not nice to make fun of me. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Um, But yeah, like I just, that scene when I was younger, that scene was so horrifying to me just watching that. Like I just, I mean, and I think this is why these are, this movie is so memorable and why it's one that I always remember the scenes from it because it's moments like that. It's scenes like that where, you know, they, they just kind of, you know, they don't hold back and they just show these terrifying things and, and um, yeah, I just remember thinking that that was the most horrifying thing I'd ever seen <laughs> on TV before. Um, yeah. And yeah, but there, there's just a lot of memorable moments. And I think my favorite part of this movie is honestly the Sarah Connor breakout. Like when they're there and they're all there trying to get her out and she's got this plan of how she's going to unlock herself from this bed and just everything that happens in that when she's trying to escape and then they come after her and they find her that whole segment of the movie is my favorite. It's just so enthralling and captivating and you just kind of catch new things every time with just the cleverness of how everything plays out. So I, I just really, I, I love that part of the movie and, um, and yeah, and just like the car chase scene after that, when they're getting her out and, you know, he's like latching onto the back of the car, uh, the T-1000 and, um, and, uh, the Terminator just like shoots his arms off. And then the kid is just so afraid that the little metal parts left are going to come and like destroy them. So he just like moves them off the car. Just all of that is just so great. And I, I really just, 
it, it's honestly, and I didn't really think about it at the time, but honestly, it is, it probably has to be one of my favorite action movies too, because it's one that I, you know, I always remember it. I'm never tired of watching the action sequences in it. So I think it really is, you know, un, unbeknownst to me before now, <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite action movies. And yeah, it's just really, the storytelling is great. And even though it is a longer movie and a lot of those action sequences are a little bit longer and drawn out, it doesn't take away from the goodness of this movie. It doesn't make the movie feel boring because it's a long movie. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a really, it's a good throwback movie to put on. And it's just really, you know, peak action awesomeness. Okay, so it's my turn. <laughs> yes, if you are yes, a, if you can. able to talk. Or uh, I can I, keep going. I can talk. Uh, just to warn you, I might repeat some of what you guys said because I don't remember everything you said. It's kind of hard to pay attention when your head is like going to just explode out the front of your face. Um, but with, uh, with some of my issues with this movie or just in spoileries in, in general, I don't like those Sarah uh, Connor monologues. I think some of them are just weirdly timed. Like at one point it's like just driving down the highway at night and it's just the lights on the road and it's just her talking over it. And I just don't care about anything she's saying. It's just a really weird scene to me. Uh, I also don't like that weird diatribe that she kind of has with Dyson when he's talking about like what they do or, you know, when they're like when they're at his house and he's just talking and she's like, what do men like, you know, about creating, you created the hydrogen bomb. You don't know what it's like to have like life grow inside you. And I'm like, motherfucker, his wife's sitting right there. She does though. And you just <laughs> shot her husband. I'm like, it's just one of those weird things where she's like trying to jab him. And I'm like, yeah, but his wife is right there and they have a kid. So like, that's just weird. And like, it, so I just, I, some of that stuff kind of gets to me a little bit with that. Uh, and I believe Justin, you were talking about the noises the T-1000 makes at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just utterly dumb. Yeah. Even when this movie came out, there's just no way that made sense. I mean, that really is right up there with a movie I love with the spider screaming at the end of arachnophobia <laughs> or uh, the shark roaring at the end of Jaws, the revenge. Uh, it just it makes no sense. Why is it making those noises? Why is it like randomly going into people? It was before. Um, and he's not like, in, in like, yeah, and I do agree with you. He's he is a relentless killing machine the whole movie and then at the end he takes weird breaks when he's like walking towards her like stabs her in the the arm and he's like you know does the little thing he's like i'm gonna stab you if you don't call for your son and all this other stuff and i don't see the point in that why would he do yeah. that because it literally shows you t like 15 seconds later that he could just morph into her and call for him mm -hmm. why wouldn't he exactly. just do that and go John, come here. After he stabbed her through the face. Exactly. Then there wouldn't mm -hmm. have been no interruption of that moment. Or like when he gets, when he's getting shot and then he heals and then he finger waves Sarah. 
why why would he do that? Well, you just, know, I'm not gonna lie because seeing him do that, it's just kind of cool. It was, but he wouldn't do that. Yeah, it makes know? no sense as a character. It's a cool <laughs> shot, right? But as a character, yeah, it makes it is no a cool sense. shot though. Yeah, it is a cool shot. I mean, though. it's like if Jason was like like killing somebody, and somebody was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did that!" And he just turns to him and gives him a thumbs up. Like, yeah, it's out of characteristic, <laughs> but it would be kind of cool to see that. Uh, yeah. And so I totally get that. Um, but just in general, like a lot of the stuff doesn't make sense with that in general. Like whenever he gets hit with that explosive shell, why is he just kind of stuck in that form? Because like he is liquid metal. So why wouldn't he just kind of like burst open and come back together? Why is it effort for him? I don't quite understand that because there are other times in the movie. It's not effort. Why is that effort? Um, yeah. One scene that I do think is very funny when in that scene, whenever they're fighting and all this other stuff and Arnold takes that pole and slashes it down in his back and it like goes through the front half of him and stuff and gets like stuck in him. So like when it enters him, you know, it opens him up, but when he pulls it out, he pushes it out through the side but he stays hold the whole time. Why doesn't he open it up whenever he push, pulls it out of his side? Ah, that doesn't that's actually true. work. Um, like, so like little things like that, it's just, it is what it is. Um, just at no point is that ending good with that though. Like they're acting like he was like an actual living creature. Like um, it, it, it's, it's like when you see a shapeshifter die in a, like a fantasy movie. And they're like falling into a pit of acid and they're slowly dying. And they're like, no. And so they start turning into other people. Like, why would he do that? That was like literally molten metal. He should have just fallen in it and liquefied in it. Like, I get that they want, you know, something. They want it to be dramatic. But him transforming into those people was dumb. Those weird screaming noises he was doing was dumb. It just, it never works. Yeah. You probably would have got more mileage out of that if he just straight faced was just melting, just sinking and melting, looking up at them no, or no, no. What he reaching, trying well, to, yes. you know, he should have fallen into the molten metal. And as he's sinking in and screaming and like, like you could have him still screaming, just not stupid screaming noises, but like have him like push his arm out and it become like a blade and it's just going like straight at John Connor or something. Yeah, and trying stops, to reach him, still trying to kill him, and, and just, just stops dying. Like, just stops like an inch away from his face, and as it just keeps going down and down and down, because like his main process or whatever the fuck is dead at that point. You know what I mean? So it wouldn't keep yeah. growing. That would have made more sense because that would tie into the relentless nature of him. Yeah. Um, I mean, so and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but. If you watch the very beginning of this movie, and I suggest doing this, if you didn't know this information I'm about to give you, uh, check it out. Like, go watch this movie again and just watch the beginning of the movie. You don't have to necessarily watch the whole thing if you don't want to. But watch the beginning of the movie. The original intent of this movie was to have it to where you don't know who the good guy is and who the bad guy is until that scene at the mall with John Connor. Like, whenever they're both in that hallway with him. If you watch yes. the movie knowing that, and if you like didn't know that going into that, all of that would be so much fucking cooler. If you had seen the first Terminator and had no idea what was going on in this, because you would legitimately think Arnold is the bad guy still. 
But, and that's how the movie's written and that's how the movie's shot. The problem was, is the a first trailer for this movie showed you who was good and who was bad. They ruined the actual reveal of it for the movie in their original trailers before this movie even came out. So pretty much this movie has always been known that Arnold was good in this movie. And I mean, I don't remember ever at any point in my life not knowing that. Uh, and I, I, and I don't know if I said this earlier or not because I was legitimately dying earlier. Um, like I saw this in theaters as a kid because I had bad parents. And as long as the movie was just violent and said curse words, they didn't give a fuck. And this is what kind of person you grow up into. And <laughs> uh, so with that, but I mean, and like, so I don't really remember it then because I was very, very young. But I just like, I, I just always remember in my entire, like as long as I can remember, you've always known Arnold was good in this movie. And I just think the idea of not knowing, and that's why I said the original way it was supposed to be seen would have been a hundred because that reveal would have rocked you and it would, it just, it changes the way this movie plays out, like narratively speaking. And that's why I say, just go watch the first bit of the movie until that scene and just watch how it's shot. You don't know Arnold is a good guy in this. You don't know the T-1000 is bad at this point. So like, that's what's so interesting about that movie. Um, I mean, that's a great point. Not that that's a, just a quickly that that's a great point. Like, and it's true because, and it's just such a great moment of tension because the Terminator's coming towards him. And then the box of flour, he reveals that's a shotgun. And then you see the, the T 1000 cop is coming towards him and it's like, Oh no, what's going to happen here. And they get closer and closer and the tensions building. And then suddenly auto goes get down. And that's, when you're supposed to know, but like you said, we already kind of knew. So yeah, the, the, the tension of that scene doesn't really work in that way. I guess it kind of gets away with it to an extent because John Connor, the character still wouldn't have known who the good guy was. And he would have known how, what Arnold looks like because of his mom. So it kind of still, it, it, works. it still works within works the context of the movie. Character. It yeah, works for the context still. of the movie. It would just be so much cooler if it worked for the audience. Too. Yeah. But, oh, that would have taken it to 10. That would have taken it to like a 10 if we didn't know. So, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. Like, I know I gave a lot of people a lot of shit for like cheering when Captain America says Avengers assemble and in game. Or whatever he, whenever he has Mjolnir, and I'm like, whatever, that's just so overrated. But I would have totally understood, like, being in the movie theater when this came out, not knowing what's what, and then all of a sudden you realize as a collective audience that Arnold is a good guy and losing your shit. Yeah. Like, I would totally understand it at that point. Because, I mean, Terminator within itself is an iconic movie. It's nowhere near as iconic as this one. But it is 100% iconic in its own right. And just to then take that, and like you said, you take the villain of the first movie and you make him essentially your hero in the second, that's an unheard of thing. I mean, yeah. that really is like if after, you know, 1989 Batman, the next movie was about how the Joker's turned to a life of good and Batman's evil. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, it really is. It's like if you go see the like a new Friday the 13th movie 
and Jason is protecting the the you know the camp kids from like evil like camp directors or like the xenomorphs coming in and being like oh no we're just trying to save you guys from these other monsters by <laughs> you know it's 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 that thing you took a movie monster because like you and me both said he is a movie monster in that first movie he's relentless he's unstoppable he is a movie monster and you made him a good guy and 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 it works it 100% works I mean, nobody wants to see the bad Arnold Terminator anymore. And that's why every movie they try to always show the good Terminator. Like I understand in salvation, they have the other versions of the Arnold one, you know, attack them, but that's whatever. But I'm just saying like, that's the point though. Everybody wants the good Terminator because I mean that it, it this is Arnold's most iconic role hands down. I mean, the lines, everything like that, the way he's able to play the Terminator and kind of just skirt with really awesome comedic timing the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's just so straightforward with every answer and just so blunt and just so, but man, it's the way he does it. Like, it's just... It works so well with young John Connor. It's just great. Those scenes are just rich, like you said, with comedic timing. Well, 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 why would you kill that guy? Uh, Of course I would kill him. I'm a Terminator. You know, it's just, it's just (laughs) like, I mean, but it's just funny because he's not joking. He's just. You know, he's just talking and it just comes across like that, but it just makes him so lovable in that movie. Like, it's just great. You know, whoever thought of that idea, let's put this kid with them. And the kid is kind of searching for that humanity. What a genius idea. Well, this this movie is what, weirdly enough, made Arnold endearing to America, like to movie going audiences in general. This is what made him endearing. Yeah. Like, think about the roles he did before this, like with Commando and uh, Predator and the first Terminator and Conan, the Barbarian, you know, those type of movies. Like, those are all good movies. That's all fine. But I'm like, but he wasn't endearing. He was just an action star. And in this movie, he's able to be an action star, yet endearing. And as weird as this may sound... I credit the kindergarten cop exists because of this movie. <laughs> Probably. That's true. Jingle and even Jingle more ironic exists because of this movie. Not yeah. that it needs to ever exist, but anything that Arnold has ever done comedic, like comedic movie wise exists because of Terminator two. Hmm. Yeah. And he's playing a machine. That's even the craziest thing about it. He's a machine in this. And by the end of the movie, do you know how many people told me they cried at the end of this movie? This is a sci-fi action movie. And they said they I cried when the Terminator went into the vat. You know, when mm-hmm. he went into the melt when he was melting and he put gave the thumbs up. And that line at the end, I know now why you cry, John. I mean, come on, dude. Like, like that <laughs> I mean, they just they found a way to make you care for this machine. It's a machine. You know what I mean? And by the end they had you caring that he was, that he was terminating himself, 
you know. And so, also a brilliant right. callback to the first movie because Sarah Connor presses the button that kills him, and that's what she did in the first movie. That's why this movie's a freaking masterpiece. But anyway, but, I digress. But also with that, it's also the same reason why none of the other Terminator movies work. Mm-hmm. Is because they all try to show that Terminator without that other half. You don't have that endearing Terminator with the young, endearing John Connor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the 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 older Tom uh John Connor in the third movie, uh, it, it doesn't work. You know, I know they do the silly bullshit where he's like, oh, look, I've got star sunglasses on. But like they, they're trying to keep that endearing comedic Arnold without the other half of what actually made those moments funny and endearing. Yeah. You know, uh, they tried doing it a little bit in Terminator Genesis. They they got the closest in Dark Fate. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. With father of the year Terminator. Yep. Yeah, which goes back to what we talked about in that episode. How much do you want to see that movie? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I want to see the movie of him becoming that. I want to see the movie of Sarah Connor running around and killing Terminators through time portals. Like, God, they just introduced two better movies and never had them. Yeah. (laughs) Man. Like, that's what's so crazy about this. And, like... But that's also why everybody's chasing this Terminator is because this is the iconic one. This is the one that, like I said, it it endeared Arnold Schwarzenegger to us. I mean, that whole, I mean, as dumb and stupid and re- fucking ridiculous as Kindergarten Cop is, there is something weirdly fucking special about that movie. Yeah. That yeah. just weirdly works as terrible as that movie is that role with Arnold it fucking works yeah nothing else in that movie does but that (laughs) does those scenes when he's interacting with the kids those are just great comedic scenes and it's all because it's fucking Arnold delivering those stupid fucking lines (laughs) You know, though, is not a Duma that only works because fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger says it. And the only reason why he says it is because in this movie, he says fucking hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> That's it. And also, I know I made fun of Arnold's acting at this time, and I do think he's a way better actor than he used to be. But as much as I made fun of Arnold's acting in this, the physical acting he did in that scene of the where. Sarah Connor's talking about how like much better the Terminator is for John Connor than any male she ever brought into his life where they're just doing the whole high five thing. The physical acting from Arnold in that scene is fucking brilliant. Yeah. And it sounds weird because he's literally just acting like a fucking robot learning to give a high five. But if you watch it, he does such an amazing job because who, especially in the early 90s, did not know how to naturally just give a fucking high five. And you have to go, body, don't do what you know how to fucking do. <laughs> and he nails it. He looks like a robot learning to give a high five. And yeah. not even understanding what the fuck any of it is. Right. 
you know he's even doing I that agree. hesitant yeah. thing as like a fucking child would you know whenever you first like you're playing with a child and you're like high five and you're like down low uh too slow and then like so whenever him and john are doing that and john's holding his hand out and he's like already got him like once or twice to do the whole down low he's hesitant to do it again because he knows john's just going to pull his hand away mm-hmm. and he's hesitant to do it again but he knows that like he needs to and he literally acts like a fucking like kid that you like are teaching that to. And I'm not going to lie. It's fucking brilliant. It really is. I think it's very understated because the entire time it's happening in the background of a scene mm-hmm. where they want you to focus on her monologue. And I just think it's just some brilliant fucking acting on his part. But I do want to yeah. comment on one last thing. And that is I'm really glad that by this point in our life, and especially after watching something like Mad Max uh, Fury Road, that we have learned how to show somebody missing part of their arm in a movie without just having a fake prosthetic arm and their arm like tied behind their back covered by a jacket. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because Arnold at the end of this movie looks fucking ridiculous. And it's mainly because... (laughs) It's fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, fucking Mr. Olympia himself. His arms are goddamn massive. You cannot have them. You cannot hide them with a fucking leather jacket. You cannot hard. You you cannot hide one of his bulging gargantuan biceps by just having him like tie his hand behind his back and putting a jacket over it with some metal dangling dangling out of it. It does not fucking work you just don't do that with arnold schwarzenegger you don't you just rewrite that scene to where you don't even have to attempt to do that because you're just wrong you should just never even think that that's a possibility because it shouldn't have been anybody that's ever seen that motherfucker's arm (laughs) which is as big around as one of those fucking digital anacondas from the movie anaconda (laughs) and you try to act like he can just like Oh, put it up against his also massive fucking body and just cover it with a jacket. Be like, oh, it'll look normal. No, it won't. I understand this was late 80s, early 90s, practical effects, all that shit. But like I said, you just rewrite that scene. You don't even try to fucking have it like that because that did not work. And he looked dumb, which really kind of sucks because like, like you were saying, Justin, that's the emotional part of the movie. And he looked silly. (laughs) Now I'm not going to be able to unsee that when I watch this now. (laughs) How did you not see it anyway? Well, I mean, maybe it looked a little hokey, but I didn't like. I wasn't fixated on it, but now I'm going to fixate. Dude, all of a sudden (laughs) his jacket is like bulging a half a size bigger. He's got a weird fucking hunchback to him now. He looks like fucking Quasimodo from Notre Dame, like Notre Dame on there, man. If they ever want to do a live action hunchback of Notre uh, Notre Dame Disney remake, you fucking cast Arnold and just have him do his Terminator pose at the end of that movie. Bam, Quasimodo, done. It looks fucking terrible. But um, and that just kind of reminds me though, like when just talking about his arms. Have you ever heard of the practical joke he played on uh, Jesse Ventura in Predator? No. You know, so Jesse Ventura, wrestler, you know, and all this other stuff. Uh, 
So he wanted to fuck with Jesse and make Jesse think that his arms are bigger than his. So what he got the costume director to do uh, is like, you know, when they're measuring them for their costumes and stuff like that, uh, the costume person lied to Jesse telling him his arms were bigger than Arnold's. And so Jesse was like all big boy, like energy and all this other stuff. Like, Oh, let's show it. And like Arnold was like, no, I don't want to. He's like, no, come on, man. Let's like, let's see whose arms are bigger and all this other shit. And Arnold's like, no, no. And like, Jesse's like, come on, man, you know, you want to do, are you scared? And all this other shit. And then they did it. And Arnold's are like easily like, like six or eight inches bigger than Jesse's. And it was all just a fuck with Jesse. That's tight. <laughs> I have not heard that story. That's badass. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's one of those. I might be getting some of the like exact details, but it was. It, I do know for a fact it was with the costume designer, and it was just to fuck with Jesse to make Jesse think his arms were bigger. That was the whole point <laughs> of the joke. And so Jesse would be like, "Yeah, I'm Mr. Big Bad. I'm bigger than Arnold," and just not even close. That's amazing. But. Uh, no, do you guys have any more thoughts on this uh, Terminator 2? No, it's it for me. No, I think I'm good. My head is seriously fucking murdering me right now. Like, <laughs> I Uh-oh. feel seriously like I'm like dehydrated and going through caffeine withdrawals and all kinds of shit right now. This is fucking murder. What a champ, though, you know, we'll see, he handled that. Most of the bullshit that was happening to me, though. I feel bad for the listeners and I feel good for myself that nobody got to hear it. Cause that's what I was on mute while you guys were talking. Um, Oh man. Like at a certain point though, I did end up getting some milk just so I could even talk, like be able to actually get through the long parts of talking and stuff. <laughs> but, Oh, that's some rough shit. I didn't throw <laughs> up though. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I thought I was going to, I seriously thought I was going to at a couple of different points, but I I think my body didn't because my body knew that that means that chip would come back and it'd probably be worse. (laughs) So if you do decide to do the, the challenge and everything, um, don't eat dinner before you do it would be my suggestion. If you do the one chip challenge just yet, don't eat dinner beforehand. Because that was dumb. I'm trying to look at this. I guess technically I made it between a lightweight and a middleweight. I'm like in between those two. I feel like if you didn't have to also talk on the podcast while it was happening, you would have probably I probably managed could, it a little better. I probably could have gone like full on to middleweight. I probably could have gone a straight 30 minutes if yeah. I just didn't have to also talk. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie. That's what was fucking me up too. Like you start talking yeah. and your mouth starts drying up and it feels like more intense and it just makes you want more like, you know, and you're just trying to fight it more instead of just dealing with it. Mm. I think I could have lasted longer if I didn't have to talk. We'll consider you middleweight. Cause I think that's nope. what you would have been. Nope. I'm following the rules. I'm between oh those boy. two. Okay. I don't want no considerations because this chip kicked my ass. Like I'm not going to lie. You fucking kick my ass. Oh, <laughs> so but like I said, I didn't throw up. That's that's what I'm proud of, at least. Yeah, you didn't go, hey, I can't go. You guys just finish it. <laughs> I thought that was a possibility, too. But hey, man. No, I did I did have to step away for one second. And that, that just happened to be at the end of Heather's thing, unfortunately. But it still worked out in the end. I don't. I, was I gone that long? I don't know. 
because whenever I got back to my headphones is when Jasmine was like, oh, well, I guess I'll go. So, like, was it quiet for a long time? No, it was only like a couple seconds. Yeah, it wasn't long because I didn't even get to start. And then you were back. So I just didn't know if you guys were waiting for like 30 seconds and then like, oh, well, I guess I should go. I would say maybe like five seconds. It wasn't very long. Oh, that's good. I timed I timed that well then. Oh, yeah. Respect this chip. As Dimitri said, you you respect the chip. I don't even feel like I could like I really don't even feel like I could I could hold this little sign up that says the one chip challenge champion. I don't feel like a champion. Well, you didn't throw up, so I would say champion. Nope, I'm not a champion. Okay. I think I'm just a non champion. I think I'm someone that got a title shot and I just kind of got my ass kicked. Wasn't quite ready for it yet. <laughs> so it is what it is. But on that note, and I, I honestly, we probably should have picked a better episode than me doing that during Terminator fucking two. It's like, oh, let's go for one of the most iconic movies ever. Sterling, make a fool of yourself during it. <laughs> Why couldn't we have done that during the visit? Because then my, at least my physical pain would have distracted me by, from the fact that both of you fuckers betrayed me. <laughs> uh, which also, did you guys see? And I, I'm rambling at this point. Um, the M. Night Shyamalan has a new movie coming out. No. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just called Old. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to hate it. Oh. <laughs> um, also, just because it was also announced today, uh, we're getting another live action. We're getting a live action sequel to The Lion King. Oh, I saw that. Oh, no. That was my reaction, Jason. I went, Ugh. I got maybe Maybe it won't be lifeless, but... On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema underscore Slayers. Uh, we are going to kind of keep these rolling like this probably for a little while because just to nobody's surprise, movies got pushed back more. Uh, right now, the next type of movie that we'd probably do an actual episode on uh, would be what November twentieth, if I'm thinking right, which would be the next James Bond movie and Pixar Soul. So, just kind of playing the waiting game like everybody else. Uh, so just remember that this one chip challenge will kick your ass. And according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Chink, chink. I forgot to totally talk about how that was iconic too. <laughs> yep. like that thing that dun, 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 is fucking iconic. Yeah. Damn it. Also, did I give you guys wins and losses for the song? I do not remember. You do just you got not. it chopped out. <laughs> Dude, I just, I, cause all I remember is I took a bite of that chip. I did the whole thing. I know you guys sang songs and I know I very quickly went through the intro and then I died. Uh, I know you liked my option or at least you said that before you died. Yeah. You said mine sucked. And then you said you liked hers. Because yeah, didn't you say, didn't you do, oops, I did it again. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what yeah, did you suggest? You were singing something with the words I'm sorry. Yeah. That real slow song. Yeah. I don't I don't remember which one that is. I'm sorry. No, I don't know so that I'm talking about sorry. I don't yeah, I don't remember the actual song. But you see what you should have sang though, but I would have given you a point for is if you had seen Justin Bieber's uh It's Too Late Now to say uh what is it? Sorry. Yeah, it's too late to yeah. say sorry. Yeah. If you'd saying that, that would have been more appropriate. Uh, that would have given you a point. Or if you had or if you started singing uh One Republic's uh It's Too Late to uh or apologize. Oh, it's too late to apologize. Yeah, I should have sang that. Yep, that would have worked too. Because it was, it was too late. I was dying. <laughs> like that's the thing about this, is once you do it, there is nothing you can do. From that point on, once this shit hits your mouth, you are just going to be fucked for a little while. 